feeling a little bit sheepish, welcome to Hand of Pod. For the second time to episode 483 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam and I'm joined by Andres. Hello, welcome. And Chris. Hey, how's it going? And we are recording again at Chris's flat here in Palermo. We're in Hollywood again. After we did last week. And you're probably quite confused by this introduction, and that is because, um, as I have mentioned in the last couple of episodes, well, the last couple that we've recorded and the last one that actually went online, um, I've been very busy in recent weeks. So last week after recording, on Wednesday, same day of the week we're recording right now, uh, I got home from Chris's, had dinner, girlfriend went to bed, and then it was the normal nighttime routine after recording of editing the podcast, getting everything ready online, finished it quite late, um, and thought, well, it's okay, it's Wednesday night rather than Thursday, so if I upload it tomorrow during the day, it'll work fine timing-wise. Woke up the following day to a bunch of emails from one of my clients asking whether I could do a bunch of jobs on the day. Realised an hour before coming over here, just for this recording right now, uh, that I never actually uploaded last week's episode. So It's a shame, there was a lot of good content that yeah. we produced. Me and so, Andres um, both it's fire. like missing a penalty if you want to put it like that way. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. Particularly annoying, obviously, given that it was the classical preview episode. And because it was there was a bit more concentration than normal on the preview uh, side of things. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to upload at least to the main podcast feed right now. Hence, this being episode 483, I decided no, I'm not going to upload that one tonight and then call this one 484. Uh, what we will do is that for Patreon supporters, I'm going to upload the episode that didn't get released last week as a Handapod Extra. So if you go over to patreon.com slash Handapod and you want to um, listen to it, then you can do, you can sign up there. I'm going to have a look at Patreon settings as well when I do so because I've heard from other creators um, that they now have a setting where you can uh, purchase individual episodes or stuff. It, it probably needs me to turn it on at the back end. So I'll have a look into that. So you might, if you go there, find that I've stuck a small price on it if you do want to listen to it now. But it's going to confuse episode numbers and track numbers on the album and stuff if I. Just upload it as a normal that, conclusion. That, 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 I, I was going to say my next question would be, does that make next week's, given that today is now 483 again, is mm. next week's 484 or 485? That, next week's will be 484. So by the time it gets to the 500th one, we'll, actually we'll have actually already done it on 499. Yeah, yeah. Although if you, rec- if you include all the extras we've recorded, we're on like 715 or right. something like And that. the conclusion is that it's better if you support us on Patreon. Yes, indeed. Yes. And as I've just said, if you include the extras, then we're, on, we're, we're well past 700 because we've uploaded 224 Hand of Pod Extra episodes, not including the one that we recorded last week and is now going to become a Hand of Pod Extra episode. So there's loads of extra content if you do want to um, sign up over there, so please do. Apologies. And for all of the people who tweeted us questions last week for the main episode recording, 
I'm going to read those questions out again on this recording, because obviously not all of those people will be Patreon supporters. Not all of them might have the means to become Patreon supporters for the sake of one episode, so your questions will get answered. And if you are a Patreon supporter, you'll be able to compare how we answered them last week with how we answered them I was going to say, yeah, maybe we'll my, my answers were better on Patreon or on the main feed. Yeah, we'll anyway, sorry about that again. But the results, I'm not going to do the results since the last episode came out, because that includes a load of matches we talked about last week that you didn't hear us talking about. But you might do if you're a Patreon supporter. The main thing was Golo Cruz beat Racing at Racing Stadium. Dan was there, mm. and you know, yes, I was Dan. the only one who saw it coming. And Dan didn't tell us anything about it because he wasn't involved in last week's recording either. Anyway, moving on. Last weekend was the round of Classicos, as I mentioned uh, briefly while explaining why I was so embarrassed just now. The results from that round of Classicos were Independiente nil, Racing 1. Belgrano 2, Tacheres 2, Huracan 0, San Lorenzo 0, Union 4, Independiente Rivadavia 1, not a Clásico, you can probably tell by how open that game sounds like it was, <laughs> Sarmiento 0, Barracas Central 0, also not a Clásico, River 1, Boca 1, Gimnasia 0, Estudiantes 0, Newells 0, Rosario Central 1, Instituto nil, Godoy Cruz 2, not a Clásico. Ban- uh, Lanús 1, Banfield 1. Defensa y Justicia 1, Deportivo Riestra 1, not a Clásico. Argentinos Juniors 3, Platense 1. Vélez 2, Tigre 2. Not a Clásico. There's a bit of a rivalry, but it isn't really a Clásico. The, the, the sorry, the thing is that the Clásico that Vélez will have, or the closest to the Clásico will be Ferro, because yeah, they play exactly, in the yeah. West and Farr is not in first division, so... No. Uh, and Central Cordoba nil, Atletico Tucumán nil, not a Clásico. Um, Where do you want to start? Well, this is the thing, because there's ob- obviously, you know, as is traditional on this, we'd start with the Super Clásico first, I think. Uh, but there was... I, I really don't want to forget to talk about the way that one of those Clásicos finished. I'm sure that you've put it down in your notes as well, Chris, because I know you've actually taken notes for this episode. Uh, so we'll get on to that later. But let's begin with the Super, River 1, Boca 1. Uh, both of the goals came in the second half. Pablo Solari gave River what was, at the time he scored it, a thoroughly deserved lead uh, four minutes into the second half. It, they were pegged back by Cristian Medina with 20 minutes to go. And that was how it ended. It wasn't a what great players game. from the Pre-Olympico. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't a great game. The commentators were suggesting that it was a great game, it, it, but it was it was all right. Like yes. there have been better Super Classicos in the last ten years or so. There have been They've much been much worse, worse Super Classicos. Yeah. And uh, the good good thing is that I don't and I think I think I said this before because there have been a lot of Super Classicos with goals that there is no not. In, in fact, the the last in the Classico de Monumental would have been a nil nil Classico, but in, just at the, at the very uh, last minute, there was a penalty for River, mm. scored by Borja. But then, uh, independently of that, there were there have been a lot of classic, super classicos with goals recently, which is at least that thing is positive. Perhaps boring or or dull with no goals will be total uh, totally awful. But at least there are goals recently. I thought uh, this was the. Uh, at least in the opening half, 
the, the best that I'd seen River kind of play all season in terms of their fluidity and attack. They were creating some some chances like the River of old at times um, and probably should have punished Pocket once more maybe um, before before the halftime break. But I definitely think that in the second half, Pocket looked... I don't know. It, it wasn't like they showed like loads of fighting spirit, but it was kind of like, well, a draw is a bad result for River and a draw isn't a terrible result for Boca and it kind of showed in the way that they um, played in the second half. I thought uh, uh, Lautaro, Lautaro Blanco uh, at left back was kind of one of the standouts for Boca. Um, well, the best striker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, the way he was like firing, firing in crosses, um, he almost got Armani off his off his line and scored. Um, it wasn't as if like Boca had one chance and one goal. Like they they, they had their chances and um, that's why you know, one one. It was kind of a fair result in a way. That's why Riquelme brought Blanco because Fabra was after what happened the final of the Libertadores looked especially by by supporters but also by the. I mean the club itself. More like, mm, if uh, in fact uh, Tony said uh, finally the transfer wasn't made, but that he would lead to Portland Timbers, I think in the MLS. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, finally he stayed at Boca, but he's now a, a substitute. Yeah. When when last year was was the main uh, left back, and now Blanco did similar things to to Fabra. Not physically, he's not physically similar, but. Goes deep in the to the to the to the side and and, and sends crosses. One of it of it was the goal. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Andres, I think we're probably duty bound to ask, given the world's obsession with the English Premier League, um, <laughs> what you made of Claudio Echeverri's performance. Because if I hadn't known that he was like nine years old going into that match, um, I'm not sure <laughs> that we would have been able to guess. Right? Look. Well, Pretty I think sure. his expectation were, expectations were higher than what, what he has shown. Um, wasn't bad, but neither was spectacular. Like, for example, Mastantuono did in his first matches. Mm. When no one was calling him, he appeared and perhaps it's better that way. When you no, no one is expecting nothing from you and you jump to the, to the, to the field and, and, and do what Mastantuono did uh, in the recent matches, in the case of Echeverri, he had a lot of pressure. This is, of course, repeated. We we talk about all the time about pressure, but in the case of Echeverri, he assumed and he admitted he was that it was heavy for him, mm. um, and it, it he's showing that uh, he was uh, another midfielder, but not that uh, uh, dangerous midfielder to create. I mean, the playmaker that River was looking for, yeah. and he had to go out. Uh, I think it was 10 or 15 minute, minutes uh, in, yeah, about in the second half. Yeah, about the second half, yeah. Because he had a problem, he was like DC, uh, and in, inside River, or the club, there is some worries about what, what he's prepared physically for, for to, mm-hmm. to stand the 90 minutes of, of match. They don't need to worry too much, because they've sold him already. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I thought he, he did, there, there were a couple of nice little kind of Round yeah. the corner passes in the first half. The touch was better than most of the other players on the pitch. Hmm. Um, yes, it was but, like uh, yeah, tiny, was... tiny things that shows that he has the quality. Mm. But it's the things with the he doesn't that he doesn't do it continuously. With I mean fluently. Was this yeah. his first Casio? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can probably say that the occasion didn't get to him. Uh, no, exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that's a, a, a fair, fair assessment. I was driving it. I would agree he's not looked as good as Mastantuono. Obviously, Mastantuono had the advantage of not going away to the Pre-Olimpico um, over the course of the season. But I thought he, he was sort of quietly... I for River, it's the so. feeling that going to the Prolimpico was worse mm. for him and for mm. River. Yeah, well, not for him. He's to train with his, with his new teammates. It's a bit I late. say new because he's just come up to the Into one squad, squad or into another squad. Exactly, already yeah. got your next squad lined up. Like, it's a bit kind of like there's no home feeling to it all. It's like a kind of journeyman already, but he's only 17. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought, uh, slight side point, I thought the defending on both goals was a little. Um, well, from Boca's side, it was they had completely the wrong line. But I feel like they like couldn't decide whether they were doing a high line or a, or a deep. Similar line. to what happened with Lanús, that they like they yeah they, they both centre backs were like in the same line and and not uh, I mean they weren't covering the spaces properly. Yeah. Oh, it was the ball in from like the halfway line that Solari ran onto. Yes. From, yeah, yes. Yes. I was trying to. I was going to say I watched the whole game, but, but I, then right the, now I can't remember either the the, goals. the, the defending on uh, Boca's. Uh, from on Boca's goal, I thought from River was kind of there was three players inside the six yard box, kind of blocking Armani's view, but at the same time they're all they're just kind of waiting to be punished, like a kind of masochist in waiting in a way. You what know? usually happens when there is a ball in the box and River is defending, they don't defend. They they just look hmm. the ball and the 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 the, the, the strikers from the rival. And they don't use. Uh, they don't really block. I mean, yes, he. They block perhaps the Armani and not yeah, the, yeah. the real uh, danger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it seems weird that let's say three goals in seven matches when when we say that. But a lot of their that kind of good defensive record is just because they dominate. But you would think <laughs> that would be the games, one thing. It's not with, because they're particularly sharp. With, with Dimicelli, that you'd think that'd be the one thing that he would be kind yeah. of able to assure onto his players is solid defending, and yeah. instead, like. That's probably one of the been one of the weaker parts of their game this year. But there is this feeling that uh, perhaps River is quite offensive, and, and in fact they they starting they started the the, 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 the match with uh, only one central midfielder, which is who is Rodrigo Villagra. Surprisingly, because he hasn't been playing a lot, but Alejandro Fonseca Fonseca was a bit better than than when he started, but perhaps not ready for for. To start in, at Ezboca, mm. and Alindro has been poor, decidedly, decidedly poor, and and Bishagra as a as the only uh, defensive midfielder, having not played a lot of minutes, was also a risk. And but at, that was the risk that you had to assume, and and and, and what, well, and, and to play offensively. But uh, the thing is that every every time the the, the rival touches the midfield and goes. Close to the box, there is the feeling that they, there will be danger. Yeah, and as we, I was about to say, as we mentioned last week, but yeah, there, there is that, that they're going to be outnumbering you through the middle. Um, moving on to some more classicos, I'm going to mention, as I said, make sure I don't forget the end to Lanús versus Banfield, uh, which I think was probably the best end to any of the matches. This um, I did not see. Over well, the weekend. Oh, you didn't? Okay, it's not in your list. I've well, seen that it was a late goal, but did yeah. something crazy happen? Well, I, I thought so. Felipe Peña Biafore had given Lanús the lead 64 minutes in. Uh, it was, by and large, a 
bit of a nothing match. It kicked off at 10 o'clock at night, I think. Um, <laughs> and by the time it ended, it was, you know, because of the amount of stoppage time, it was pushing midnight. Um, but really, really late on, like there were five minutes of stoppage time uh, and about four and a half, four minutes and 40 seconds in or something, Banfield had a corner which got put up to the far post. There was an attempt and a Lanus defender came in and blocked it with his chest and then it hit the arm and it bounced out and it was checked by VAR and they took a little while to do it. And when they were checking, it was like, I know that the rules at the moment say, oh, if it hits a part of your body and then it hits your hand, it's not handball. Mm. But if they're ever going to decide to tweak that a little bit, it will be because of cases like this, because it did hit his chest and then his arm. So technically it's not a penalty. But if it hadn't hit his arm after hitting his chest, I think it would have come off his chest and kind of dropped into the corner of the right. net because of the angle everything was happening at. And you just kind of thought, like, if they decided to hit at the same time or if they decided, because it was very, very close indeed, it was hard to say. Um, eventually they decided not to give the penalty after looking at it on the, on the screen. Um, and Banfield obviously weren't very happy. But in the meantime, before the VAR call was made, the ball had gone out for a Banfield throw. And I can see here, because it's listed as the assist, Aaron Quiroz took the throw and threw it basically to the penalty spot. Uh, and Milton Jimenez got up, rose like a salmon, um, and sent a looping header into the top corner. And when the game restarted, they played about five seconds. I mean, it, it was just pandemonium. It, it was moment. just brilliant to watch. But he was on the... It was not, wasn't after the time that was added. I mean, it was before the five minutes. Well, by the time it, the, the throwing got taken, it was obviously before five minutes because they had to... It, it, the penalty shower happened with like 20 seconds to go and then they, they took ages to do the bar check. But, uh, so it was kind of borderline. He's gone down as 90 minutes plus six and then he got a booking in 90 minutes plus seven. Because obviously the new supporters were... But logically, no, no, that that to play on, you know, it's a minute yes. of them anyway, and, and they were still at least there for twenty seconds. Every time they 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 got your rival, and when there is a classical match, mm. that is that that feeling is even bigger that they have stolen you. Yeah, and they were like very very angry with Herrera, the, the referee. Yeah, funny, yeah, funny that. But the, it was just a, it was a sensationally long throw, like uh, Rory yeah. Delap used to come out with. Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah, and just an absolutely towering header. I mean, Peter Shilton, circa 1986, would not have beaten him to that ball, absolutely no chance. Uh, but fun, funny that uh, Banfield, uh, had, the week before, were on the receiving end of a late river goal, uh, mm. and this week have, uh, you know, got one themselves Indeed. to get a draw. Yeah. Um, Still 13th or 14th. Yes, yes, as we will discuss the standings in full uh, in a few minutes. But um, what Classico would, would either of you gents like to talk about now? Uh, Rosario Classico? Why not? Uh, I, I just, tell us what happened, or shall I? Uh, well, from what I could see, it was an absolutely electric atmosphere mm. in the Estadio de Um uh, I think it kicked off about at least five minutes late because they had to wait for the smoke to clear. Oof, so, like, it, for me, from like looking on, it looked like a very full stadium. Mm. Um, Newell's like, form has kind of dropped considerably since they had like a flying start. And um, I think that all that Miami business is really um, kind of punishing their own season in a way. It's like self-inflicted punishment to 
what was started out was quite a good kind of beginning to the campaign is now they're kind of fading a little bit from the early pace setters. Um, it was, sorry I have to interrupt you, it was packed, but and it, it's obvious that it's understandable because it was the Super Classico Rosarino, but there was a piece on, on La Nación Sports section saying that, that there were there is like a fever and tickets are sold out mm. every match because it's it's cheap for yeah. the membership for example for a normal a, a average membership price is ten dollars yeah. which is it's cheap and, yeah, and it allows you yeah. to to in some some clubs you get the ticket with that money also so uh, it's not so so expensive and that you know how enthusiastic Argentine supporters are. And yeah, and also, you know, I think we, we mentioned years and years and years back on the podcast when discussing a Clásico Rosarino that, without meaning to offend any of our listeners from Rosario, um, but at least for us, being from the, the really big city in Argentina, when we go to Rosario, it doesn't feel like there's a, as much stuff to do there. Um, so I wonder whether that kind of feeds into some of the passion, but I, I can say from experience, because I'm lucky enough to have been to a game at New Orleans, that just a normal run-of-the-mill match that isn't the Classico uh, still has a ridiculous atmosphere, even by normal Argentine league yeah. standards. Yes. Um, so yeah, the Classico was... But was in, in this one, the, the Newells had, had thought they had the opener, um, and I thought the sound barrier had kind of broken Rosario <laughs> at that point, um, but... Uh, Francisco Gonzalez, he smashed in a rebound, but the um, I think it was ruled out for VAR. It turned out he was about half a yard or a meter offside. Mm. Um, but uh, he uh, started to celebrate it, and he at first he didn't see the the, the flag. Yeah, he was um, quite enthused. But they, they were by far the better team in the first half. I thought Newells, but then um, most of their chances went straight at uh, Central's keeper uh, Fatu. Um, but in the second half, the central woke up a little bit, and um, it was it was a beautiful goal. Um, I don't know if you saw the goal from Victor Ignacio Malcorra. I didn't. I was this um, classic goal from him. I think he scored some similar goals from for a free kick. In this case, it was movement. Yes. But yes, it's just his the way he shoots the ball. It's really really good. He's also got quite the mullet haircut. Uh, I think yes. a few of them do. Um, I'm, I'm almost certain so we've mentioned Malcotter as mullet in yeah, the past. It's quite the extraordinary mullet. Mm. Um, but yeah, not too much else to take from it. Obviously, a, a little bit of a poor result for Newell's. And, it, and uh, I think it's kick-started um, Central's season a little bit. Given well, it, it was very, behind. very against the run of play. Yes. I mean, it was a smash and grab. Or it, it would be, I suppose, better class to smash and grab if the goal had come in like the 80-something minute run than the 57th. He always had half an hour to try and find an equaliser and couldn't. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, as you say, Jorge Bron, Fatou, in the central goal, probably the man of the match. Uh, he was absolutely immense. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, I, I mentioned when you said about the goal, I... I some listeners might have briefly heard me say underneath Andres, I, I didn't see it because somehow I managed to miss the goal even though I watched the rest of the match. Was it was a really nice right. goal and um, really well taken. And but, Malcora, yeah, sometime it was mentioned, I think that it rapidly lost, uh, I mean, it wasn't serious, it was a rumour, but that Malcora was being look, looked by River to, to replace De La Cruz, who is quite similar in the positions mm. they played, but yes, 
It's his 30-something, right, Malcora? 36, I think. Well, yes, he's not, I think, uh, the moment for River, to play for River, but uh, he has the quality, but yes, it's, I think... 36 he is. Well, well, oh. well, well noted. guessed, Chris. Well yeah. noted, yeah. You're, you're good at looking at somebody's name and guessing how old they are. One of my many shit talents. Yeah. A number of our listeners, not to mention one of our panellists, We'll be most annoyed if we don't mention Racing's 1-0 win away to... Especially then. Independiente, <laughs> exactly. Um, Adrian Martinez got the only goal of the game. He was set up by Bruno Suculini a few minutes into the second half. I didn't catch... The previous pass was from this match. Quintero. Exactly, but I was going to say, what I have but read is that Juan Fernando Quintero was sublime. He was. Throughout. But it was inverted roles because Quintero did the pass to... It was the first pass from was from Gintero, but the the incredible, incredibly, or delicious as it was from from Zuccolini. Yeah. It was the other way. But also, uh, I would say even though it was the day before, very similar, just on the other side of the pitch, but to River's goal in the sense that like the independent defensive line, which I thought struggled all game, were couldn't decide whether they were deep or a high line, and then they just got completely caught out by a. A long ball and a great run from Martinez, and um, he took it around the keeper and kind of almost gave himself too acute of an angle to tuck it away. But it was a, it was a really nice finish. Um, yeah, good for Racing considering they lost with, with, with suspense because it was yes just the same line I think, but it was called first for upside, then the bar. I was going to say yeah, showing here that they yes, bar checked exactly it. yeah bar checked it and then it was totally fine. I think he was level, wasn't he? Um, yes. But uh, no, I, given that Racing quite humbled by Godoy Cruz the week before in El Cilindro, I think quite good to come back the next week and um, beat your close rivals. Uh, I didn't think much of Independiente. I think we were kind of saying on last week, the episode that never was, that um, Independiente were like deceivingly at the top of the league. We, we were kind of saying that they hadn't mm. been the best, best team. They have been all. winning by narrow distances and against Racing, the team that... As you have, have, have said, uh, it was good for, for them to recover after losing to World Cruz, which is so far the best team. Yeah. They have 19 points uh, at this moment. Still not considered a goal. But Racing had been better than yeah. Independiente, I think. In, if you talk about the quality of the game they, they have been playing, the, the way they have been playing, uh, uh, winning with, with luxury and, and a bunch of goals, and Independiente was like 1 0, 1 0, perhaps. Two goals, I don't know whether they scored one, two goals in the same match, but uh, it was... Independiente, yeah, they beat um, Instituto 2-0 the week before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think that might have been the first time all season. Um, moving to the other big Clásico uh, of the weekend, and there is kind of, there's, there's a reason we've left it till last, let's be honest, it's the Clásico of the city of Buenos Aires, to give it its full name, which is a slightly confusing one for foreign people and newcomers to Argentina uh, to get used to, because of course there is also another very big Clásico between two clubs, both based in the city of Buenos Aires. Uh, but yeah, Huracán versus San Lorenzo is officially called that. Uh, and it, it, I mean... I can't watch it, but where I heard yeah. was... I, I, I thought, I'm not going to watch that one. I'll wait and catch some highlights of it later, and I have not been tempted by looking at the statistics to catch any highlights of it. Were there highlights? There at, were, at least they were similar to what have they been doing before. 
the 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 statistic that really stands out i think is i'm going to give you the number and i'm going to see whether you you two between you can guess what statistic it is the number is one shots on target from yes, Urag- from Uragan. The, it was actually from San Lorenzo, but wow. that, that was it was the cumulative total. Huracan didn't have a single one. San Lorenzo did have a single one, um, and that was that was it. So, so yeah, the I mean, less said about that game, the better. Then really, indeed, I, I don't think that we would have been surprised if you asked us last week which game, which of the Classicos is going to be the cagiest one, uh, to have said that it was going to be that non non Classicos. We can well, as I said, those. I mean the non-classicals. Well, I mean, well, Vélez Tigre was Vélez Tigre said, was very not strictly speaking a classical, but there is a bit of an edge there, which is possibly why the AFA decided, why the Superliga decided to um, Superliga Liga Profesional decided to draw this one in the classical round because it's the closest thing, certainly that, that Tigre ever really got to a classical. I think at the moment, isn't it? Or maybe Platense now that they're up, but don't yeah, but no. Um, but yeah, it was 2-0 to Vélez uh, at half-time. Goals from Francisco Pizzini, 12 minutes in, and Brian Romero after 27. And then Tigre hit back with two goals four minutes apart near the start of the first, of the second half. Martin Ortega and Ezequiel Forclas. Um, I don't know whether they then have one disallowed or whether it was just somebody running the live score yeah, thing for the sofa score getting a bit overexcited they, but I saw that they'd gone 3-2 up and then the goal was cancelled yeah they had a late goal ruled up for offside um, but um, it was a very like topsy-turvy performance from Tigre the, the first half an hour their defence once again just didn't show up and Velez found it very very easy to find a way through um, the first goal like the comeback goal from this was Remember Tigres' first goal in the Copa de la Liga uh, mm. of the season? I oh, of course. Or had yeah, they yeah. scored one the week before? I don't know. No, um, it was first. No, it was their first goal. Their, uh, their, their current goal tally is scored two, conceded twelve. So there you go. So it was an absolute page um, from Ortega, um, and uh, it was like he cut in from the right hand side and kind of killed it all the way past the keeper, it was, lo- it was lovely. And then, yeah, the the second goal was less pretty, but the kind of goal that Tigre needs to start scoring, given how they haven't been scoring, um, where they were they were just kind of pressing constantly, um, and Vélez kind of couldn't handle them, and b- before long they found, them, found, it, it found themselves kind of not winning anymore. And uh, mm. a more encouraging performance from Tigre, my, my friend who's a Tigre fan was saying that the defending is still just woeful and I think that showed in the first half but um, well it's their second yeah. point of the year so points better than zero I guess it is yeah, um, especially if you're 2-0 down at the break yes away from home um, so well done to them for that oh dear Sofa Scores decided to go haywire let's just um, that wouldn't be the first start that. Um, but yeah as I said when I was reading out the scores you can kind of tell that one of the matches very much wasn't a classical because just the scoreline on its own tells you it was a much more open match. Union 4, Independiente Rivadavia 0. So it's a shame Tony's not with us anymore. Uh, but it seems like Union have got over the loss of Kevin Senon in the transfer window going to Boca. Uh, admittedly, it's only their second win of the season. And, and against the rival... Independiente Rivadavia, kind of lower mid-table in the other group. But, you know, it sounds... Fairly entertaining. They've got positive goal difference now. They're up to plus one. Scored six, conceded five from seven games. Yeah. So well done. Yeah, well done then. And uh, yeah, the only other kind of game that I could pick out from the week was the Godoy Cruz win at Instituto. Um, Yes, of course. Two goals either side of 
half-time. Um, Golo Cruz once again, we're now, this was uh, the seventh round, right? They still yeah. haven't conceded. They, they, they did lose to Colo-Colo uh, in the Libertadores preliminaries last week. Um, yes, they Thursday. did, that's right. But I think, it was it 1-0 or 2-1? 1-0. 1-0. 1-0 in Mendoza. Mendoza. But that so was the first time they've conceded. Like tomorrow night in Santiago. First time they've conceded a goal since the turn of the year, I guess. Um, which mm-hmm. is, you know, pretty impressive given that we're just finishing February. By the time you're listening to this, it's, it's March. Um, and yeah, they haven't conceded a goal and, you know, they're top of Group B by quite a margin now. They might be thinking, oh, if we continue like this, we will quali- cl- um, get to the next Copa Libertadores, but we are playing this, this one, and we are not so good. Yes, and this one. It's um, yeah, quite a kind of different levels of feeling, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, impressive from them once again. You know, they looked didn't look like they were going to lose or even concede at any point in this game. Um, and seven games in, that's quite impressive, I would say. Yeah, indeed. Um, so yeah, oh, I've just realised we haven't talked at all about Gimnasia versus Estudiantes. Ah. This might in part be because it was played at almost the same time. For some reason they kicked off 15 minutes apart. Uh, not because of the delay to the Classical Rosario, but because the, the kickoff times were actually scheduled 15 minutes apart um, as the Classical Rosario. And it was nil-nil. Uh, Gimnasia had a goal disallowed about halfway through the first half, apparently. Not sure what else there is to report. I just kind of switched Numerous versus Centrano because I thought, well, that's probably going to be a slightly better game. Yeah, not a lot from this game. It, it, a shame for Estudiantes, obviously, just uh, the aforementioned goal improves. They've just lost a little bit of ground on them with that draw. Mm. Um, it, it's a funny classical because I, for as long as I can remember, apart from when Gimnasia had that really strong season, what, like six or seven years ago or something, um, I always feel like Estudiantes go into the Clásico as just objectively the better team. Yes. And yeah, course. it nearly always feels like, okay, Estudiantes will win it sometimes, obviously. But since the 7-1, which was back in, what, 2008 or something, they've also... 7-0, wasn't it? 7 yeah, okay. Estudiantes scored 7 anyway. <laughs> um, they, they've nearly all felt really, really tight, even when you've gone into it thinking, well, Estudiantes should absolutely batter them. I can't remember any thrashings in the... It was breaking, yes. Like, in case River Boca, the Madrid final was also like... Yeah. You had one, one, one classical before and one before after that. Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm just looking down the recent matches between them now, and I've got to go back to November 2019 for Estudiantes' last win. Oh. Since then, wow. since then, it's finished nil-nil. Uh, in keeping with what I just said about it being cagey, uh, in December 2021, there was a 4-4, <laughs> which now <laughs> I've said it, I do make me remember. Uh, 1-1, 1-1, 2-1 to Gimnasia, and both of... Uh, I was about to say this season, but of course it isn't this season. Both of the last two Copa de la Liga uh, fixtures, i.e. second half of last year and this one just this weekend, have finished goalless. So, yeah, Estudiantes have got... That's quite a run without a win for Estudiantes, considering that they've tended to be the significantly stronger side uh, prior to that run. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, not much else to say. We're going to take a half-time break now, refill our glasses, and when we come back, we will answer I imagine quite a few listeners questions given that we're going to have to re-answer some from last week uh, and talk about Argentina in the CONCACAF W Gold Cup and some other things probably don't go away 
as promised, um, we're, we're going to do the listeners questions kind of early now and then we'll talk about the, the Gold Cup um, a little bit. Uh, actually, partly as a result of one of the questions, uh, which is why I'm starting with the questions anyway. Um, as promised, we're going to ask the questions that we answered in our recording last week that didn't get uploaded here as well, because not everybody who answered, asked a question will be a Patreon subscriber. Uh, so we begin with Rob Fitzpatrick, who had asked us, which result was the biggest achievement this week? Lanus beating Boca or Banfield's point against River? Yes, that's right. In the episode that's been lost to time, or to Patreon, um, we discussed Lanus getting a, was it 2-1 win yes. over Boca? Yeah. Um, and Banfield, as Chris mentioned in passing while we were reviewing the Classicos uh, in the first half, uh, being held by River in the Monumental, thanks to a, a relatively late uh, River equaliser. And I think, if I remember rightly, last week that we agreed it was probably Banfield getting the draw against River that was the bigger result. I think we were pretty unanimous in that. Yeah. That the four teams were in. Um, so that's a nice easy one to tick off. Now, American Red says, question for the next podcast, or, and indeed for the next two, is there a Liga Profesional de Football fantasy game? Uh, I'm looking at you. I don't remember what we answered, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know think we one. have to directly. Try and to, and uh, even if there is one, I will not be partaking because yeah. it's um, yeah. I don't know. You, you already there's already so much football content out there already. Um, we consume so much of it as individuals. Um, mm. Some people are quite limited. Do you need another fantasy game in your lives when you're trying to get rid of all the other ones that you've signed up to and then forgotten about after a week? There is a Grande T game, mm. which is that you can build a team, uh, you have budget and... That's, it, that's exactly the answer to the question. Yes. Stick uh, to football the, the answer is yes, there is. Um, I remember I, I played it, I feel like it started maybe a year before I moved here or two years before I moved here. And I tried playing it one season and couldn't because you needed a DNI to <laughs> to sign up for it. You actually needed an Argentine And you have to stuff. pay because beforehand it was free. Yeah. And you have, you have if you want to make changes, you have to pay. But they have yes big amount of money prices prices. But, but I remember when it first launched. I remember looking at the at the sort of the rules for it, and it was just incredibly simplistic. Like you picked four a goalkeeper, four defenders, four midfielders, and two strikers or something, and they gave you points like. If your player scored a goal, you got a point. And that, that was about yeah, as complicated as But then goal. I think they, yeah. it's a little bit more complex now. That they, it depends on the defender. If yeah. there is a defender, if, yeah, if exactly. it's a midfielder... It's, it's, it's much more like the, the fantasy games that, yes. that, um, that players, in, well, certainly in Europe, and I'm guessing in North America as well, will we'll recognise now. So there is, um, whether you want to bother signing up for it or not, not sure, it's up to you, obviously. Uh, Rayat Hossein asked... What major changes do you envision for the Argentina national team for the Copa America? Oh, I don't remember what I answered in this. Um, well, just answer what you're feeling now, Chris. Mm. As, uh, as I said, this will give people who, who I do remember what I said. the opportunity to I, compare and contrast our answers. From a completely biased uh, German football perspective that I have, um, uh, with some work that I've done for the Bundesliga in the last few years, I'd say that Ezequiel Palacios probably deserves more minutes than he's probably got for Le Selection mm. um, so far. Who's he far. playing for? 
Uh, Bayer, Bayer Leverkusen, who are currently, uh, as the time of recording, away. still unbeaten this season in all competitions. And he has a role, a massive, massive role there. Yes, I mean, he's been injured for the past like four or five weeks, um, and whilst Leverkusen have still won their games, you can definitely see the kind of hole in their midfield that he's been missing. Um, he's like connected a good partnership with Granit Xhaka, of all people. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's provided goals, he's provided assists, but he's just his element of like control in the middle of the park. Um, I think defensively, Argentina, Argentina could, could utilize. Um, who you drop him for is another completely different question, mm. um, and, and uh, one where I don't know where he would fit. But personally, I would love to see him get more minutes, and I think he does, would do a. Um, a good job. I think, believe what I said last week was also there is kind of questions on the left and right back positions for Argentina. Um, we were saying, I believe, that Acuna is not enjoying his strongest season, but personally, I've, I always fancy him over Tagliafico. He's suffering a lot of injuries. I, I feel like, I mean, you're right in that like, the full backs feel like maybe the least outstanding positions on the pitch for Argentina, but I also sometimes, when I look, look back to the World Cup campaign. Um, feel like in a way that it, it it was one of their strengths, not so much that the fullbacks were one of their strong positions, but just that largely you maybe could favour Montiel over Acuna or Acuna over Montiel, say. But by and large, you didn't really notice when one of them replaced the other. It was very much okay, well the team's gonna just carry on operating exactly the way it is because they're so similar. And as you say, like, yeah, okay, maybe Acuna is a little bit better than Tanya Fico on the, on the left um, or whatever. But like, they're so, there's not very much to pick between them that but it didn't affect the team's performances I, too much I, when one of them had to come out of the team and the other one had to go agreed, in. Agreed, but, uh, and I completely agree with you on, on, on that in regards to the kind of context of the World Cup. But here we are, like, by the time the Copa mm. America comes around and it's, you know, the best part of, like, two years later and... Um, you know, as we were saying, Acuna's not has been a bit injured. Uh, Montiel's not been enjoying his kind of brightest of seasons. Mm. Uh, Molina is having a decent season, from what I can see. And it's just a, a kind of context of the squad of like who's fit and who's kind of pushing for a, for a place. And I think it's one of those areas in the yeah. in at least the main eleven that could be strengthened because it's hard to see many other areas in the main team right now before players retire where people could be replaced yeah exactly yeah and it's kind of riot's um wording major changes is, is a tricky one to really pin down because they they won the last copa america they won the last world cup they've lost one of their last uh 53 or 54 matches or something like clearly they're not going to make any major changes in terms of tearing up the team sheet and going, right, we need to replace half of these players. No, the guys over there are doing a pretty good job. Um, If it isn't broken, don't fix it. So I wouldn't expect Scaloni to start experimenting too much. You know, the the major experiment is going to come on the day that we all hope never does come when Lionel Messi announces his international retirement. Um, And well, well, about Copa America, we, we have to see what happens after it, of course, mm-hmm. you have to play Copa America and Argentina, it's at first sight favourites to win take to, to to win it again, as for example, Brazil is, as I think, one of the poorest moments that I remember and there is no, uh, 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 except for Uruguay, who beat Argentina in the mm. la, uh, uh, 
The only match that Argentina lost in the World Cup qualifier, yeah. Of course, yes, yeah, so they've lost two of their last 50 odd matches, yeah. not one. I think Uruguay are the ones to watch. They may concede a lot, but like the you know the most threatening to kind of unsettling Argentina's crowners. To put it another way, you think Uruguay managed by Marcelo Bielsa? Yes, yes, and I'm enjoying it just as much as I should. <laughs> but uh, what I w- what I was going to say was that apart from Messi, Scaloni is not safe in his in his charge because. Well, sorry. Sorry to correct you, he's safe, but it's not 100% certain that he himself will decide to yes. continue. Yeah. After Copa America. Yeah. Um, it seems likely, but also the AFER managed to piss him off quite a bit by doing things like right before the World Cup when uh, Chiqui Tapia decided to announce <laughs> unilaterally and by arranging his contract when in fact he hadn't agreed to it. And by arranging friendlies, which I mean, Scarling mm. might say, yeah. what are we going to play? Well, this this uh, when in this case, I think we will talk about we will talk about this. Well, later. we can talk about it now because one thing I was going to say oh. was since we're asking questions from last week at the moment, we can kind of riff off them a little bit and try to um, talk about some of the stuff we would probably have talked about before getting to the questions if this were a more normal episode. And I remember to upload this stuff last week, and that is one of those things is that in the last can't remember whether it was in last week's recording that didn't go on or whether it was in one of the previous episodes. Um, we did discuss that, yeah, Scaloni was a bit pissed off about not having had higher class uh, friendlies. We also discussed this prior to the World Cup. But because yeah. of, the, of the arrivals and the venues. Yeah, um, they're being asked to fly around all over the place and then play, no offence to any of our listeners from these countries, but countries who aren't going to give Argentina all that much of a test and who weren't going to give them all that much of a test even before Argentina became world champions. Yes, Panama in Hong Kong. Yeah, what is in, in strange venues and stuff as well where they can sell tickets. Uh, we mentioned, I think, two weeks ago, so that would have been, what, episode 482, if I remember properly, um, that there were a couple of friendlies that were scheduled to take place in China in a month or two's time, in whatever the next FIFA break is, and were now not going to be taking place. And those, you were telling me during the break, Andres, have now been, well, I mean, I knew already, but you mentioned that we have to ask to say it. Um, they've now been replaced with friendlies in the United States, yes. which is a more accessible uh, place to get to, certainly for Argentina's number 10. And it's a slightly more accessible time zone for us to watch the matches from, so that's nice. And it's also, I guess, a, a slightly shorter and less complicated flight for all of the players based in Europe. Where in the US are they doing it? One is in Los Angeles and the other one, I don't remember, but it's not... Not Miami? No. I don't New, think New Jersey, okay. maybe? I tend to, they often play. Maybe, but I, I don't I remember whether Messi could drive to the game or not. Yeah. Um, but anyway, well, it, it but is. But who, who was you saying they were against? Is it Panama and? No, El Salvador and Costa Rica. Okay, so it was an example that Panama yeah. for for Scaloni. Yeah, sorry, that was what you said a minute ago. First, yeah. yeah. But it was was originally going to be against Nigeria and Ivory Coast. Yes. Right. Like the, the finals. I mean, the finals. We talk about like, the, the friendlies yeah. that they should have. I mean, they always seem to draw Nigeria in the World Cup, so maybe that isn't the worst friendly to have. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Nigeria, except they're currently uh, preparing for the Copa America, and I'm almost certain that they won't have to play Nigeria now. Yes, they might have to play Costa Rica or Panama, uh, or yes. sorry, not Panama. El <laughs> Salvador. Thank you, Costa Rica or El Salvador. Um, I don't know what happened with Ivory Coast players, but Nigeria was a problem with the visa to go for the, to the United States. That was... Uh, it was already scheduled for the United States then. Yes. So they moved them out of China, kept the same opponents and took them to the States, and then that fell down because of... No, the no, in the case of the United States, it was 
they were thinking about Nigeria, but they can't go there because of the visa. I, I right. think that, okay. that is the problem. So these friendlies against El Salvador... These are issues with the United States? That doesn't sound yeah, like yeah, anything. Yeah. These, these friendlies against El Salvador and Costa Rica, are they going to be in the next FIFA yes. window or in the one immediately before the Gold Cup? The no, Gold I Cup think America. it will be 26th of March. Oh, okay, right. Wrong. So in like just under a month's time. Okay. Uh, pardon me. <laughs> Uh, Liam Kelly, who's no relation to me, last week asked, have the AFA messed up by not giving us the Mendoza Clásico this weekend? By which he means last weekend. Uh, I do remember what I said to this, more or less, at the time, and it was not exactly messed up according to what they're aiming for, but yes, I mean, it's a Clásico and they're not doing it in the round of Clásicos. The way that they've done the fixture um, computing for this season by just copying the fixtures over exactly from last year's Copa de la Liga is ridiculous. It would have... Like, they, they, well. they couldn't even just plug all of the new teams into ChatGPT and go, can you give me a fixture list? If yeah. the, admittedly, if they'd done that, it would have probably come out with several teams who don't actually exist. And yeah, it could be. Dates, I, like I, I, 32nd I, of I, February. I, I, or I do think it's a shame for the city of Mendoza that it's not often that they have two teams in the top league at yeah. the same time and uh, here we are we finally we almost had three um, but we ended up having and by the way in the winter area is playing we may not have two Mendoza teams exactly mm. yeah yeah um, so yeah in short yeah it's difficult to say messed up really because they were quite open about it from the start oh it's not going to happen because of this but also like that logic doesn't make any sense that's, that's, that's not a good excuse so, when, when yeah. logic doesn't exist that much anyway like you can just like okay yeah we can change our plans like the amount of things that have been changed before it would not have been too difficult yeah. and they, it, it was Riester replaced Arsenal right but yeah. and they play against defensive justicia defensive justicia Arsenal is not a classical either but what? no because uh, Riester replaced Arsenal is the Instituto Independiente Rivadavia replaced um, Colón. And they had, when we say replaced, we mean that they had that team's fixtures for the first six rounds. And then this weekend, they've now swapped. Ah. So for the rest of the season, Riestra are replacing Colón. And Independiente Ooh. Rivadavia are replacing... But that's, this um, is what we're saying, isn't it? Like, it's so ridiculous that they can do that, yeah. yet it's, not, it's too but ridiculous they, When to they could have just gone, you know what, let's just draw up a new fixture list because it's a new season. Yeah, I mean, how revolutionary right. an idea is that? Uh, Liam also asked a question that's a lot easier to answer now than it was a week ago. How far will Argentina's women go in the W Gold Cup? And we can answer that because the W Gold Cup, we can actually answer it a little bit more. Uh, accurately now than we could a week ago but I think we were quite accurate with our assessment some results didn't go quite the way that we thought they were going to go yeah uh, when when Liam asked that question Argentina had already drawn nil-nil in the opener uh, with Mexico and we said it was going to come down to not getting thrashed by the States and then who beat the Dominican Republic by more goals Uh, it sort of did there was an unexpected result in there as well but something that we didn't know last week, because Tony wasn't with us, uh, but we do know now, is that the Gold Cup has, the Women's Gold Cup, has three groups of four teams. And what that means to create a last eight is that you've got to send the two best placed third seat, third, best third placed teams through. Um, and Argentina are one of them, because Group B has already finished, and Puerto Rico finished in third on three points. And Argentina managed to get four points with a win over the Dominican Republic. 
last, no, not last night, two nights ago, on Monday evening, uh, 3-0 win. So Mexico beat the Dominican Republic 8-0 after the opening matches, uh, which were a 0-0 draw between Argentina and Mexico, and the US beating Dominican Republic 5-0. And then, possibly surprisingly, or possibly because the United States didn't give that much of a crap about it, because they were already through anyway, Mexico beat the States 2-0 on Tuesday evening, which means Mexico have won Group A, the US have finished second with seven and six points respectively, and Argentina with four points, assuming that points are the way that CONCACAF is going to decide who the two best It's normally the way that people decide it. If they do it on goal difference over points, then we're looking at a very different game. It's it's CONCACAF. So it's a football confederation, I should say, in fairness. It wouldn't surprise me if CONCACAF did the same thing as well. Uh, so you know, not going to count. It's Conca Cap with yet. a spice of co- uh, like a hint of Conmebol as well. Even know. if they decide to use goal difference, Argentina is still better than Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico have got minus two and Argentina have got minus one. Um, I, I guess the only thing that, that we're left that we're left seeing decide is which fourth, be which yeah. for, uh, because Paraguay play uh, later on tonight. Yeah, uh, Canada. Canada are currently beating Costa Rica as we record, and Paraguay play El Salvador later. So if Paraguay win that, then that means Argentina are the like worst third place. But if Argent- if Paraguay lose that or indeed draw that, then Argentina are the yeah. least worst third place. Mm. Least worst third place. The but then if place. Canada beats Costa Rica, that will be of course again good for. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because if Paraguay, yes. it, yeah, if Costa Rica lose and then Paraguay get either one, if Costa Rica lose, Argentina are going to be the better of the two third place teams. Got it. Because Costa Rica will finish on three points. So then, if Paraguay leapfrog them, it will be in second place. But it's good in the sense that it puts them into the knockout phase, which they did not get at the Women's World Cup. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's a small tournament. You know, less big teams, but. You know, anything can kind of happen in a knockout. Uh, whoever they get could be having an off day and suddenly you're in the uh, semi-finals and, you know, that kind of tournament experience will be good for these Huge. girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, at the moment, if it's like the best group winner plays the worst third place, the second best group winner plays the second worst third place and so on, um, then it looks, I think, like they would be playing... Probably be Canada Brazil, because Canada's, Canada's goal difference is already better than Brazil's. So that, well, interesting. So I'm not going to, they're probably not going to get beyond that first knockout round, but they've got into the first knockout round, which yeah. they haven't done last time. Both good teams, women's teams, the Canadians and the Brazilians. Probably yeah. put the Canadians just, just a little bit higher, but mm. Brazil... But this uh, is also... Good, but, it, you know, as I said, it's knockout football, and either of those teams has an off day, and Argentina kind of pull one out of the bag, but on penalties after extra time it's yeah I mean it would have possible. to be a serious off day because the other thing I was going to say is that it gives us a bit of an opportunity to talk about Argentina in the Women's Gold Cup uh, I've not managed to watch either of the matches in full but I've caught the second halves of both of them and they're just I know that Tony would be saying the same thing if he were here as well just they need a manager who's going to let them loose because there's two safety firsts here at the moment I think do you think that they're like, if they, given that they are going to be in the knockouts, do you think that they will like open up given that no, they know, no, that, I mean, do you, given that they know that they're like the underdogs? I don't think I mean? that there has been any evidence from the last few years of watching the Argentine women's national team to suggest that the manager, okay, I know it's a different manager now from, you know, the Women's World Cup or whatever, but that, that they're going to go, you know what, girls, go out and have fun. Mm. It's going to be just, 
do this bloody-minded thing of trying to out-physical them or out-defend them or whatever. Yeah, when, you'll see well, that... frankly, you can't. And I don't... To an extent, I can see why that makes sense. But also, I don't think that you're going to get any kind of... Uh, it feels a bit like you're not going to get any real long-term development mm. until you start going, yeah, okay, some of our best players are actually the creative ones, like Diana Polito. Let's let them do what they do really well. Yeah. Yes. They, they want to improve. They want to be better, to try to compete. Uh, I, I mean, if they have to play Brazil right now, mm. they know that they can't win and they want, they want to win. And uh, yes, that go and have fun is something you say to a kid. Yeah. Not to a professional yeah, player. Sure. Or I mean, but I'm simplifying it. it it's yes. like, you know, you can say, well, okay, go out there and try and do do this or that a bit better and just be a bit more positive than rather than sit back and try and hit them on the break when really you don't have anybody who's pacey enough to try and hit them on the break. It's just, I, I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity to, to at least try and develop some players. Um, just like it was a missed opportunity in the, which world, 2019 World Cup, was it? When they got the draw with Scotland after being 3-0 down when those were the 10 minutes of the entire tournament that, that Portanova actually said to them, hey, let's go and try to attack and rescue us a, a point from this tournament at least. And, you know, that once they were let off the leash, they could do it. Um, Lawrence Hart last week asked, can you delay recording the pod until I get a chance to listen to last week's edition? At the time, we said, no, Lawrence, we can't. But it turns yeah. out that like we, we really can. could. Sorry. Uh, he also said, just seeing that there is a mosquito invasion in Buenos Aires at the moment, how is it affecting you all? We, we moaned on this really well last week, um, but mosquito update, they've died down probably in the last a two bit. days, there but still it's still been really like yeah. frustrating and annoying. We got a train back from uh, Tigre at the weekend on Saturday night, and every mosquito that popped in and out of the train, I was watching like a hawk, but mm. like... I don't know, you don't want to get stung. I had a conversation with my dad on the phone earlier today and he gave me the dad fact of uh, that mosquitoes kill more humans than uh, Well, and people, have, humans. Been, people uh, have been dying of them because they don't get killed. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not particularly pleasant. Um, I'm sure people in I, more impoverished areas will probably be like, why are you like whiting so much? But generally, they, they're so bloody annoying. Yeah, uh, I, I went to a small town in Buenos Aires, in province of Buenos Aires, and I think it's the factory of the mosquitoes because there was a cloud <laughs> made of mosquitoes. I, it's like that, mm. and 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 it were they were all over me, of course, and I had to clap every time. I also put myself uh, the off, which is called that way the, the repellent. Yeah, I know how to say the mosquito repellent. Yeah. Okay, uh, which is effective during three hours then you have to again spray it to yourself but it was yes it was killing it was terrible Tommy Buendia says what has surprised you or said what has surprised you the most thus far in the Copa de la Liga we answered this differently last week but I'm going to answer the same uh, in so regards to no I do yeah I don't know why I started that with that <laughs> um, go, I mean the obvious answer is Golo Cruz uh, mm. Seven games played, nineteen points. You know, only drawn one game, one six, not conceded. Um, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Now four points ahead of Estudiantes and six points ahead of Racing in third. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone quite saw that level of performance coming, especially defensively. Um, and I've just realised that I said during the first half that we'd go into the standings in a bit and we haven't so we will do and yeah. they post Cavoca right? 
They what, sorry? Eight points ahead of Boca. Uh, they the are the nine points. Oh, they are in the same. Oh, nice. Of course, they're including nine yeah. points ahead of Boca, um, which is really impressive. But like you know, obviously it's the top four that get to the last um, stages of this, and yeah. you know they're pretty Almost. much a dead cert for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, but this coming weekend they do play Estudiantes, uh, who are in second. Um, mm. So. Um, if anyone does want to make some ground on them this weekend, maybe it'll be this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Chacarita Juniors in English has got a question that he sent today. This is the only question that we've had this week, so in a way, it's good for the question section that I forgot to upload last week. Uh, they say, maybe a crap question. No. There's no such thing. There are no crap questions. But here goes. The afternoon slash evening before games, even home games... It seems that most squads retire to a pre-match concentración. What can you tell us about this practice? What's supposed to happen? And are there any anecdotes where it has backfired? I'm looking at you, Andres, because you've been here for the longest. I'm, I'm most familiar with this um, practice, of, well, obviously from covering Argentine football for a long time, but I'm trying to think about it being explained to an English-speaking audience. I remember reading an article on some website back in the... 2000s, it might have been like on Soccernet, even before Soccernet was bought by uh, ESPN, um, from an Italian football correspondent who was explaining why it happens in Italy. And I think, largely, that is, I mean, first of all, it's another example of how Argentina and Italy are really the same country, that just <laughs> speak different languages. Um, but I think that largely the idea is that, oh, the players are going to be kept free of any distractions, and... They can just do nothing but think about the game all night. And everybody knows that thinking about what you're going to be doing the next day is the absolute best way to get a good night's sleep and then perform really well the following day. Um, so, yeah, that's that's all I can come up with. The most obvious way in which it backfires is, I guess, away trips in, like, the Copa Libertadores especially, or the Copa America or whatever, where opposing fans will just bang drums outside your hotel yes. all night. But... In the case of an away trip, there's not an awful lot you can do about it, is there? Yeah, fireworks that they they turn turn in order for our, uh, the players, away players or the players from the away team, not, not to be able to, to be able to sleep mm. and that that stuff. Well, it barely works. Uh, but for for when when teams are playing at home, Andres, can you think of any examples from decades past where? I mean, it, it would be very difficult to pin down as well, right? Because if everybody's doing the concentration all the time, then how do you know that a team underperforming in, say, a big classico it was harder because of the concentration rather than because they were just... It was harder that then than, than... Now you know where they are hmm. because there is a, yes, a correspondent that you watch on TV or the social networks, which are, of course, they say where they are staying the night before and they are, there go a lot of player uh, supporters which are noisy also, even when they yeah. are not for, for the other team uh, and they ask for the photos and, and that, that stuff. It, before it was perhaps more, more silent, more difficult for, to get to the players. So I don't think, I, I think now it's, it's difficult for the players than it was, than it was before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my anecdote is not really to do with it going wrong at all. In fact, River, for example, oh. when Gallardo was in charge, Supporters knew where River was staying, mm. and when there was an important match, like for example the semi-finals against Boca, or the finals of Copa Libertadores, 
they went to the to a famous hotel in Pilar, which is in Greater Buenos Aires, but far away. So you have to go through through a highway yeah. and and go to the, that very specific hotel. Is it, is it Greater Buenos Aires? Province of Buenos Aires, yes, it's 50 yeah, it's kilometers a, away. It's outside the conurbation, just about, yeah. right? Or no, it's 50 right kilometers away edge. from capital. Yeah. From. It's north of the. Uh, oh, no, yeah, yeah. When you talk about the, uh, the, the hotels being kind of raided with noise, I mean, earplugs are not that expensive. Yeah. Um, I don't know why anyone can like they really do shut out pretty much all noise. So if anyone uses well, you that say as that. an excuse, then a couple of nights awful. ago, a couple of nights ago, my girlfriend and I had a terrible night's sleep because something in the flat next door to ours that shares a root a wall with our bathroom, which is an ensuite that's attached to their fourth to the bedroom, uh, was making this gurgling noise like a. Sink, uh, uh, like it sounded like a washing machine that kept draining about every 20 seconds or something. Oh, God, it was on. So we both put earplugs in and we could both still hear it through the earplugs. Anyway, oh. that's got nothing to do with football. Um, <laughs> my concentration anecdote is not really much of an anecdote, but it is just to say, as I mentioned years ago on the podcast a few times, um, that the hotel where Boca had, and I think still have, their concentration prior to home matches. Uh, is like a two or three blocks away from my old flat. Uh, it, they they do so it I, in downtown. Coach going through. Just well, in, in the middle Madero. of downtown. Yes, it's in Puerto Madero. Um, Not Puerto Madero. It's uh, downtown. The, Bo- yeah. the Boca Hotel, the Boca branded hotel, ah, is downtown. Okay. But the one where they stay in prior to matches is this one in southern Puerto Madero. And I I would just like to make clear I did not live in Puerto Madero, but I did live. <laughs> I wouldn't. Right, literally, right on the border between San Lorenzo, uh, San Telmo. And Puerto Madero, and uh, yeah, it was like three blocks away or something in terms of city distance. Uh, so I would see the coaches going past all the time, and lots of fans before classicals and things. Um, so all in all, the, the moral of the story is Sam used to see buses go past his house. Yeah, so. occasionally, quite well, quite a lot. So it's like Main Avenue, so lots of buses. Occasionally, ones with Boca Juniors written on the side of them. Um, those are all the listeners' questions this week. Cool. We were going to talk about. The W Gold Cup, and we have done that. I was also the table. I've now promised you twice that we're going to look at the standings, and so the standings are that. Oh, that's the fixtures. In before, but a, I was going to say before you get on. just read them out. We we were saying again in the lost episode from last week, but we were saying how Group B was the more interesting yeah. side of things. And now well, I think str- given the stronger given, group at least. Yeah, but it, but definitely just yeah, just but now after a weekend of classicals, I'd probably yeah. say that switch group to A is group A. Up. I mean there's so few points between quite a few amount of teams, but as I said I will let you get on with reading them out. But there are, to be precise, in group A, three points separating first from eighth after seven matches, which is Faintly ridiculous. Uh, top of Group A, with 13 goals scored and 7 conceded, are Argentinos Juniors. Four wins, two draws, one defeat. Second in Group A, even though they have no defeats to Argentinos as one, because they've only won three and they've drawn four, they've scored the same number and conceded three goals. So, better really on almost every metric than Argentinos, apart from points one. <laughs> Uh, River in second on 13 points. Uh, they are ahead of Independiente on goal difference. 
uh, Independiente have won four matches, drawn one and lost two from five goals scored <laughs> and two conceded. I mean, a goal difference of plus three and yet you've managed to win four games. That's the Carlos Tevez effect. How, how is that more. even possible? Yeah. That feels like it shouldn't be... The defeat was was by two goals, right? Did, so. it, did, following the the classical was there, wasn't it? That uh, River were in second before the weekend started, and now they've. No, I think they were first. No, they've they are they're, they're second still. Because no, Independiente oh. were top. The week Independiente before. were top. So I think yeah, they've now, swapped yes. with River Adam haven't moved at all. That the, the yes. teams either side of them have switched places. Yeah. Um, yeah, Independiente. I just had a quick look. Have lost both of their losses have been one nil. And they've won a game 2-0 and a bunch of other games 1-0. So they've scored five, <laughs> conceded two and have got 13 points. They did not look like they were going to score at the weekend against Racing, I can tell you that. No. So their goal difference is plus three, whereas Rivers is plus ten. Um, and hence why they are separated on goal difference. Barracas Central are in fourth spot with 12 points and a goal difference of plus two since I've talked myself into doing that. Um... And then on 11 points, and only separated by various goal differences that I will not be reading out, Tacheres Instituto, Rosario Central, and Benes Sarsfield. Uh, then there's the bottom half of Group A, which doesn't matter so much at the moment, because we're not going to talk about the relegation. But that's, that is magic, though, you know, that between, after seven games played, like, the difference between first and eighth is three points. Um, yeah. That's, uh, and also, I was just thinking... Must guarantee us at least one like six pointer for qualification this coming weekend, right? Because when there are that many teams, more than half of the group is within such a yeah, like you know, Independiente playing Argentinos this weekend. Oh. Uh, so that's one at least that jumps right out, and then surely a bunch of those other teams are going to be playing each other. In Group B, Godoy Cruz, as Chris has mentioned, the surprise package of the season six wins, one draw. 10 goals scored, no goals conceded. I'll help out those of you who aren't great at maths. That's a goal difference of plus 10. <laughs> and 19 points. A near perfect campaign uh, so far from their opening seven games. In second place are Estudiantes with 15 points. They've been fairly points to goals efficient, but not as good as Independiente. Uh, Racing and Lanús have goal differences of plus 8 and plus 4, respectively, and are both on 13 points, with 4 wins, 1 draw, and 2 defeats. And just behind them, Defensi Udicia and Newells both have 12 points. Boca are in 7th with 10, and everybody else has single figures still. So, uh, in Group A, 3 points separating 1st from 8th. In Group B, the number of points separating 1st from 8th is 10 because Union are in 10th place on 9 points. On, in 8th place. Sorry, in 8th place, yeah. on 9 points, yeah. I was looking at Bocca's points total in the position just above them and got confused. Just just looking at that, you would ex- you would probably expect Bocca to probably uh, win a few and get themselves more into contention. Oh, would you, the way they're um, playing? Yeah. Well, they have two consecutive home, home matches, I think. Yes. So they're playing Belgrano this coming weekend and then they are playing no they're away to Union oh. the week after I mean in their current form they, they should beat Belgrano but it will be more like, more Union more. could be I mean they're right next to each other on the table so to say it could be tricky feels like a lazy 
You, so I, I just I think that, like, by the end of the kind and of... And then they're at this, home to Racing. That is... I mean, when you put it like that, they, they probably need to get two wins in time for that Racing game to mm. kind of give themselves a little bit... I think bit. they want success to qualify to the round of 16, it's or quarterfinals um, of Copa de Liga. But uh, they have all of the, the rest of the year to try to get the Copa Libertadores. Yeah, which, which is... Is the other thing yes. that matters, obviously. And the, the other thing, though, is that I was about to mention was that something that isn't factored into their um, upcoming fixtures list at the moment because it hasn't been scheduled is the Copa Libertadores group stage. They are in the Libertadores. No, they're not in the Libertadores. No, oh, it's, it's okay, next, right, no, next Friday, I think. Uh, that wasn't delivered. They'll be in the Sudamericana. The Sudamericana, thank you, right. So the Sudamericana group stage has not been drawn yet. So at some point, they're going to start hitting fixture congestion. And I'm not sure when the Sudamericana group stage begins. It's normally, what, in late March. So they've got Racing and then Estudiantes back-to-back. And then they play San Lorenzo on the weekend of the 31st of March. And then they've got two games left after that. So it's going to be, well, do they prioritise the Sudamericana? Or do they prioritise maybe, if they're still alive in it, trying to get into the group stage of the Copa de la Liga? It's a tricky balancing act. Um, But I, I think... Group B is going to be between... I mean, they're not a million miles behind, right? They're only three points behind Lanús at the moment, but I think it's more likely going to be between those top six. Godoy Cruz, Estudiantes, Racing, Lanús, Defensive Oticia, Newells. And one of those spots, as you said, appears already to be taken up by Godoy Cruz, who are four points clear of Estudiantes and seven points clear of fifth-place defensor, Oticia. If Godoy Cruz lose to Colo, Colo, they will go into the Sudamericana, correct? Uh, I think so, yeah, because yeah. this is the third qualifier, and that's how it's worked in past years. Right. I've not double-checked to confirm that that's how it's going to work this year, and it's common. I was, also, just, you know, yeah, I was just wondering whether or not they would have the fixture can get congestion that you're, you mm. were referring to. But, um, yeah. Well, they will either... Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously they would if they managed to... All of the players will have been finished when the draw is made because I remember last year it was uh, like for example happens, happens in the Copa America that yeah. there will be playoffs to be played and they have to say it is uh, I mean a playoff winner against uh, goes to group no, they, they should be because um, the second legs are there are two second legs of the third round qualifying to, oh it's the second round qualifying uh, tonight and then there are two tomorrow night oh. so by the time the the draw is made. Is it only two rounds of qualifying this year? Or are there three? Maybe if I think there there's been one before already. Yeah, there are normally so three qualifying rounds. So it might be that it then goes and then they make the draw near the end of the month, which wouldn't give the first an awful lot of uh, organisational traffic time to, uh, for the first round. But yeah, whichever way it works, um, God I Cruz are potentially going to have fixture congestion, yeah. But they're so far clear. Yeah, it's not really an issue. Giving themselves a bit of a head start. Indeed. Uh, in the Copa Argentina, San Lorenzo versus Independiente de Chivilicoy, um, which, since you almost definitely don't know if you're listening to this English language Argentine football podcast, uh, Chivilicoy is a. I don't know whether you'd even call it a sit. Well, in English, you wouldn't call it a city, but it might, may or may not officially be a city in Argentina, but it's a town, really. Uh, somewhere in the province of Buenos Aires. Do you know where it is, Andres? Mm, I haven't been there, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's well known as a, as a town. Yes, anyway. largely because 
of the existence of Independiente de Chilico. No, no, slightly joking. That I assume it's somewhere out there, Tandil or something, right? Like, yes. Why is it that they have the same badge as? Because they're named after Independiente. Same reason as the various Huracanes, the Tres Arroyos, the Rio Cuarto, and so on. Uh, yeah, there are a bunch of teams in the interior who are named after big five sides. So they just net so they, Okay. They're, they're founded by a, a fan of Independiente decades and decades ago. And he says, yeah, we're going to have the same badge. It is situated one, similar colors. 160 kilometers uh, to the west of the city of Buenos Aires. 268 kilometers. Oh, so nowhere near Tandil. I was completely out of yes. From Rosario and 629 kilometers from Cordoba. Uh, so he's in the west. Yes. Mm-hmm. You would have think thought that they could have got their own badge, really. You know, yeah. given that they're nowhere well, near. I mean, they haven't got their own name, so I don't know why. But no. um, yeah, they're playing in all red. They've just kicked off against San Lorenzo in the Copa Argentina. In Estadio Quilmes. And I will try to remember to give you the full time score after theme music. But for now, we're going to play some non theme music, some incidental music, and go to Mystic Sam. Okay, this week's fixtures begin on Thursday evening. Not sure why that would be. Uh, with Gimnasia versus Instituto. I think that will be a draw. I think that the Rosario Central will follow up their morale boosting win in the Clásico with a draw away to Huracan. Because, as we said earlier, it wasn't really that deserved a, a morale boosting win. Um, Independiente Rivadavia versus Barracas Central may or may not turn out to be a relegation point sixer by the end of the season. Uh, I think that it will go Independiente Rivadavia's way this time round. Again, I don't see, I don't fancy a lot of uh, United Kingdom uh, supporters watching that game at one. No, it would be Oh yeah, yeah, it's nine fifteen <laughs> kickoff here. Uh, I'm going to interrupt my prediction and tell you that San Lorenzo have just got 1-0 up against Independiente. Wow. They should be quite. That was less than a minute. Oh, no, they haven't. It's oh, offside. Oh. 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 No, that was a very nice finish, though. Um, Tigre versus Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero. I think will be a Tigre win. Wow. Was that offside? That was a yeah, it was offside. Uh, Platense versus Racing will be a Racing win. So, just, just to interrupt you, you yes. think uh, Tigre... Tigre are getting their first win of the season. Against Central Cordoba, yeah. yeah Central Cordoba are not amazing themselves. So yeah. I'm going to give Tigre the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Racing to beat Platense away. Banfield versus Deportivo Riestra. Um, don't watch that game. I mean, don't watch Tigre versus uh, Central Cordoba either. But both of those these matches are between teams in the bottom three. And both are, are broadcast on the public TV, so are free. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I love how them. they just pick out the shittest matches every weekend yes. to, to <laughs> yes. make the two free ones that they're obliged to show for free. Um, Banfield versus Riestra is going to be a draw. Sarmiento versus Union, I think, will be an Union win. Atletico Tucumán versus Beres Sarsfield will be a draw. Oof. I'm not seeing an awful lot of games to get excited about this weekend. Independiente versus Argentinos. There's one. 
a fixture very close to my heart, as people who've listened to this podcast for years and years will be aware. One of the first Partidasos I went to after moving here. The Red, red, red Shirts of Derby. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be... I mean, the Partidaso I went to right after moving here was Argentinos versus Independiente. In fact, with Argentinos at home, but still. Uh, I think that's going to be an Independiente win. Ooh. And Carlos Tevez Which, boys. As long as you're getting the right Independiente and not the one from Chile, no, you've got the same badge if you didn't know. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tacheres versus River Plate. Fifth versus second in Group A. I think that River will get back to winning ways in that one. Godoy Cruz versus Estudiantes. First versus second in Group B. Godoy Cruz to win that one, wow. especially with home advantage. Defensa y Justicia versus Lanús. I think is going to be a Defensa y Justicia win, but that's another game to watch because they're only a point apart in the table. Uh, currently, Lanús in fourth and Defensa y Justicia in fifth in Group B. Uh, Boca versus Belgrano. I think Boca will win in the Bombonera. And Newell's Old Boys versus San Lorenzo de Almagro. I'm going for Newell's to win. Back to winning ways. Yeah. So after a weekend packed with Clásicos, which we failed in the end to preview last week because we did preview it and then I didn't upload it, um, this weekend... It, it's it's a slightly it's three or four matches to watch and the the others are not yeah I think yeah. the Golo Cruz is to the Antes game yeah. would be one to watch obviously um, Tacheres River as well Tacheres River um, Independiente Argentinos for sure um, and I don't know if you're feeling tempted San Lorenzo at Newell's or Defensa Lanús um, you mentioned Golo Cruz right Antes yes Defensa mm. Justicia Lanús could be could be interesting. Could be entertaining for kind of football yeah. hipsters, I think, that game. Um, well, for, there for are none of those listening to this podcast, no, so never. unfortunately we can't offer you anything. Um, but yeah, those are the fixtures this weekend. Enjoy them if you're going to watch them. Oh, there's then a midweek round next week, but I'm not going to preview that for you, or predict it for you, I should say. Uh, we will hopefully have Dan back um, for that one. So we might very well be recording back in Bisha Crespot next week. Obviously, Dan goes away and everything goes to shit and I start to forget to upload episodes. So, uh, fingers yeah. crossed this one gets uploaded. It should do, because I'm not as busy this week as I was last week. Apologies for that again. But just another reminder, go to patreon.com slash handofpod. And if you're already a subscriber, you'll get to listen to last week's episode that never was. And if you're not, I'll see what I can do about making it available if you're actually bothered enough to give us a small donation <laughs> as a one-off. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for listening indeed. And goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And me, thank you, and goodbye. Hello, it's evening, Sam, here now. Just giving you the score of the Copa Argentina match. As promised, it finished San Lorenzo 1, Independiente de Chivilcoy, nil. So, now you know how that finished. See you next week.